Hello everyone and welcome to Minute 142 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob and joining me once again today is Joe Amade, Great Escape historian, film buff and president of Virgil Films. And if you want to know what Virgil Films, why it's named Virgil Films, you can listen to yesterday's episode where Joe actually explained that to us. So welcome back to the show, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I hope you had fun yesterday. I did. I had a blast. And we shall continue today with episode 142. So episode 142 begins with Kuhn turning around and goes all the way till we get to see Ashley Pitt take his final breath. Yes. So uh, as we were discussing yesterday, the train stopped in the station. We're not sure exactly what station it is. Roger and Mac get off the train with a whole bunch of extras, and then they keep walking, and then they happen to be with other extras, and then they continue walking, and they're back with the first extras, and then they continue walking, and they're with other extras. So, and at the same time, we have Kuhn looking at a bunch of extras, and then looking at a different bunch of extras, and then once again... And so on and so forth. Everyone who's listened to the episode yesterday knows what we're talking about. So we continue with that, with Kuhn looking around for someone who will stand out among all of these departing train passengers. Because he's looking, apparently, for someone who has escaped from a German prison camp probably hundreds of miles away. That would be my assumption. I don't know how far. But if you're taking a train, they're probably not just... Taking a, it's not, it's probably not a short short trip. No, and I don't. I'm not even sure it's described or is it described in the film. Of where is the train going? Nope, it's going nowhere. <laughs> it's heading to Berlin. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's it's going to the Russian front. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Because as as we know, they they got the, the the information about the train from Werner, and you know Werner's always talking about to the Russian front. So yeah, that's true. You're he, right. he knows how to get there. <laughs> he actually had a ticket. When we discussed this months ago, when 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 they were going through his wallet, he had a ticket to some remote place, which was like six hundred miles away or something like that. Some crazy, yeah, really far away. Poor Werner, Robert Robert Graf, is that how you yes. pronounce his name? Yes, Robert Graf. He passed Graf. away pretty pretty quickly after the film. Yeah, apparently he was suffering from from cancer at the time of the filming, from what I understand. Uh, oh, okay. He, I think he died like two years later or something like that. Yeah. What a great character, though. Uh, I, I've had my issues with him. He's a, he's a great character, but I think they should have found someone much younger to play him. He does give up quite easily when he loses the uh, wallet. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, but he's also, based on the conversations, he sounds like he's someone who should be a lot younger. Yeah. You know, I had this discussion a long time ago about the whole fact that he was talking about how he was in the Boy Scouts and then was transferred to the Hitler Youth. And, you know... If he's supposed to, so he's supposed to be in his early twenties at this point. But Robert Graff was was I think forty or thirty nine when they when he made this movie. And and at one yeah. point Garner says, you know that that Werner he's a mixed up kid. And I think Werner is uh, Robert Graff was I think ten years older than Garner. So wow. it's just funny that Garner would say <laughs> make a comment. They would have his character make a comment like that. Yeah. So we get to see Kuhn looking around. He he doesn't look as if he finds anyone very suspicious here looking around. So he just, like, turns around and decides that he's going to maybe leave. You know, he, he's seen everyone go around. And then we get a quick shot of, of Ashley Pitt, you know, looking, looking back and trying to see what, you know, what 
Kuhn is actually doing. And then we get a wide shot where we actually get to see the two of them in the same shot. So it means this this was filmed together. You know, this wasn't a pickup shot like a lot of the others that we've been discussing in this train station. We we can see the way that Ashley Pitt is eyeing Kuhn. He it's it's interesting that he recognizes Kuhn. You know, that he knows yes, who he is. Nothing earlier in the film. He saw Kuhn show up when they brought Roger. But you know, f- to see a Gestapo officer fleetingly, you know, get out of his car and go into the commandant's office, and then maybe you see him come out ten minutes later and get in the car. Yeah. That's about it. So to to have him recognize Kuhn specifically is is strange. But he does realize that this is a Gestapo officer, regardless. That's uh, getting suspicious about something. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Ashley Pitt actually starts walking towards Kuhn. Does it keeps his distance, but still looks at him in a very suspicious way, eyeing him to see what what he's looking at. Because as we know, Ashley Pitt is aware of the fact that Roger and McDonald are further ahead. And then we get a, a shot of Roger and McDonald standing in line again. And as we mentioned yesterday, the guy with the backpack is now a younger guy, even though before he was an older guy. Then we get to see one of the Gestapo guys checking the guy with the backpack. There, there was a lady with a, with, a, with a scarf on her head that somehow disappeared. She somehow you know, used, right. used a little black magic and you know, <laughs> disappeared because she also was escaped from a, from a, a war prison, a prison <laughs> war camp. Maybe. I don't know. Then, you know, as, as we see them standing in line, we get another shot of Kuhn, who actually now seems to have a little more recognition in, on his face. He seems to see something. He moves in a particular, particularly interesting way because he moves back and forth looking, trying to figure something out, and then he realizes that, that he isn't, he has, he's not imagining something. <laughs> he really has seen someone that he knows. And we see his face actually lighten up. He bright, brightens his look. He's happy. He's he very happy. Some... This is how you get a Gestapo guy happy, I guess. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we once again get to see Roger and Mac st- still standing in line. There's someone in front of them that's actually being checked. This guy actually has a green hat. But in the previous shot, there was a guy, a different guy that had a blue hat that was in front of him. It's very interesting that, again, <laughs> they, they were really bad at this. <laughs> at the continuity here. There's no question about it. And then we see Roger and Mac pull out their, their passports or their permission to... What, what's it called? A Reichstag? I think that's what they called it. Yeah. Where they're... Yep. Where, you know, where they're... The, the documents that they're allowed to, you know, travel around in. So they take it out. And then we get another shot of Ashley Pitt looking back and forth. And I love the way that they show him looking to the right, looking to the left, looking to the right, yeah. looking to the left. You know, he's doing a double take, but he's doing it slowly. Nobody and, sees him doing that either. No, nobody sees him doing it, and he actually now sees Now, I, I love in this shot where he's looking, we see just elderly people getting off the train. At this yeah. point, At this point, you know, everyone's got a cane. You have, you have three yeah. people coming out that all have canes, uh, one after the other. It's, I, I guess it's the opposite of what you know, we have nowadays. You know, when you get on a plane, so the first people to get on and off are the people who need assistance. Apparently in yep. Germany, the people who need assistance have to wait. Well, it's Germany. <laughs> and they should be glad that they're, that they're told to wait, <laughs> as, opposed to, right. as opposed to other things. <laughs> <laughs> then we once again get to see Kuhn again. And he is looking, and then he 
says out loud, which is very strange. He <laughs> screams Bartlett. <laughs> Bartlett, yeah. Uh, Gesundheit? You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we, we get to see Ashley Pitt notice that he actually... No one else hears him say Bartlett, but Ashley Pitt, who has apparently amazing hearing... Even though Bartlett he's, doesn't hear him say Bartlett. That's right. He's, he's 10 feet away from Coon or maybe yeah. a little more, and he hears him say Bartlett and yeah. then jumps into action. And, and I love how he puts his hand on the train and launches himself off from the train at Coon. And Coon, at this point, looks. he notices it or he hears the sound and, and turns pretty quickly. He, he has a, a great reaction time. There's no question about it. And then the, the, the two of them... I, Ashley Pitt throws down his bag and newspaper and uh, basically pushes Coon down onto the ground. Which, it, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's just funny the way that this is done. Hans Reiser was a pretty big guy. And McCallum is not. But he very easily gets him onto the ground. Yes, but as but he also gets his gun out really quickly. You can it's see him pull out his gun as soon as Ashley Pitt gets to him. You know, and then he knocks him down and tries to manipulate the gun in order to, you know, get it to, to point at Kuhn and quickly does it. He's he's pretty efe- effective and efficient here with what he does. He's, yes. He's able to, to take the gun and, and just, you know, the, the funny thing is his, his finger isn't even on the trigger. The, Kuhn's finger's on the trigger. So he's able to get Kuhn basically to shoot himself. Yes, he just he does. diverts his hand so that he shoots himself. But it's it's a bloodless shot because yes. apparently these are magic bullets <laughs> that don't make you bleed, but they still kill you. And uh, he he has this look of grimace on his face. You know, Hans Reiser does does a nice job of uh, of of faking you know being shot here. There's no question about it. And at this point, the shot rings out, makes a lot of sound. We hear screams in the crowd. And then everyone, we get a shot of everyone just quickly looking back, and including Roger and Mac, they're, they're looking in that direction. And then Kuhn does his quick uh, death lurch, <laughs> where his arms right. just flail to the side. And like I said, no bullet. You Actually, you probably can see an indentation in his jacket, so maybe there is some sort of bullet hole there. But there, there's absolutely no blood, even at a very close-range shot. I hope never to have to... You know, deal with with such a close range shot, <laughs> right? I don't think you'll remember it. <laughs> not in this lifetime, <laughs> or no. not in this world. <laughs> How's <Yeah>. that? <laughs> and then, like his, he, I love how his his head just like slumps to the side very, in, very, in a very dramatic way, <laughs> very jerkingly way. <laughs> yes, and Ashley Pitt at this point realizes that that he's lost. So he he it he it looks like he's like fumbling in. Coon's jacket to maybe like steal his wallet or something like that. He's like holding on to his his jacket a little too long, and then he he quickly gets up and starts sprinting off and runs pretty pretty fun in a funny way. Yeah, he does. It's an all out run, but it's you know, uh, thankfully in in most of his roles he he hasn't needed to 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 be run. a an athlete. <laughs> and then we get another shot of Roger and Mac looking in horror, watching everything that's going on. But yeah. obviously everyone who's standing and uh, checking things in line, the German soldiers and uh, the Gestapo, no longer care about Roger or Mac, and they all take off in the direction where Ashley Pitt was going. 
And then I, I like the fact that, that they show at this point Roger and Mac for a split second thinking about what they're supposed to do. And then they realize, yeah. okay, his sacrifice is for us. We better get out of here as quickly as possible. Yeah. They, they, they get out of there as quickly as possible, completely undetected because nobody really cares. And then we get to see the SS officer. He barks through the crowd. With an, it, break, it breaks through the crowd with another one of the officers. They end up raising their guns. And then he screams, I'm not going to... Again, uh, my German is horrendous, so I will spare everyone to have to once again listen to me say German phrases. He basically says in English, everyone on the ground, which which is a very strange statement to say in a train station. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're in a busy train station, and, and if you're there and someone screams, everyone get on the ground... I don't know how many people are going to react so quickly. You're going to wait for the first shot, I guess, or whatever. You know, like think, about if you're in, yeah. think about if you're in Grand Central Station and someone just screams at everyone on the ground. Most people are going to say, who's this weirdo? You know, yeah, well, exactly. What's, what's going, going on? Yeah. And then he just shoots. <laughs> yeah. And, he, he, and as I just said, shooting is what actually gets everyone to lie down. Right. And we even get to see people, you know, with canes throw their canes yeah. on the ground and, and quickly they're, they're able to, to get on the ground really quickly at this point. Nobody, nobody is taking their time with that. So we get to see all the passengers jump or crouch to the ground. And then we get to see Ashley Pitt running down the train station area. Now at the beginning, when you, when you see him here, it, it, it reminds me of, of chariots of fire, you know, in the scenes where they're, where they're, where they're running inside of the university towards the beginning where uh -huh. they have the race you know, we yeah. see them just running down, and they're running through a crowd, and that's what it looks yes. like to me, the way that uh, Ashley Pitt, David McCollum, is, is running down pathway. You know, you have people on all sides, and he's just running, you know, giving giving his, his best. I don't, I don't know what he's thinking, like where he's trying to, to go with this. I think he, he knows that he's lost. He knows that he's yeah, sacrificed himself. Yeah, there's nowhere himself. to go with the run. Exactly. But, he, but, he, but he runs in a very awkward fashion. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and then we hear it, another shot ring out. And then we see him very dramatically pretend to get shot in the back. <laughs> yes. Which means that this guy has a, is a pretty good shot, you know, all the way yeah. from the beginning to the train to the end of the train. And he's, he's yeah. get, you know, center mass. That, that's pretty good. And then he dramatically rolls onto the tracks and then tries to get up and picks right. himself up, holding his, his, he's holding his belly, which is even right. stranger. You know, if he got shot in the back. Shot the back. Yeah, so uh, maybe maybe it went through, and maybe maybe it was a lower back uh, shot. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. And what's even funnier is, is not only is he holding his stomach, he's also still holding onto his glasses. Yeah. Now, now we know these glasses were completely a fabrication because throughout right. the entire movie, he didn't have glasses until he was on the train pretending to be a right. German businessman. <laughs> but the glasses are integral to the death scene. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then he staggers across the train tracks. Luckily, he doesn't touch any third rails or anything like that along the way. <laughs> and then he just, like, falls over onto his back. I mean, he falls in a very strange way also. The positioning of his body is very strange. Yes. And then it's a close-up of his face. Yeah. And he gets to still hold onto the, the, the glasses. Yeah. You know, and we get to see his watch that it looks like it's, I think it says it's like 5 o'clock or something like that. <laughs> You know, as as he falls down, basically we can we can see that he's dead. And now 
what, what I found fascinating is we're talking about minute 142, and this is only the second death in the entire movie of a prisoner. You know, we had... Oh, is that including Ives? That's including Ives. So this is the first death of the of an escape prisoner. Yes, correct. Wow, and you're right. A minute, an uh, hour and forty three in. No, it's one hundred and forty two minutes. That means it's two hours and twenty two minutes into the movie. Wow, we've we've thirty minutes left to this movie. But that goes to show, though, the the entertaining the entertaining value or the the whole scope of the film. You're not bored by this time. I mean. There aren't there aren't any slow portions of this film, you know. A lot of epics or films that run for three hours, you know, sometimes they have a ten, twelve, fifteen minute slowdown. That's amazing that that first death happens that far into the film. Yep, the first I think Ives died in minute ninety three, if I remember correctly. I could be getting that wrong. I mean, there's a definite. There's Ives is a Ives's death is a definite change in the whole feeling of the film. You know, the one thing about The Great Escape is it's very lively, and obviously the McQueen character brings some comedic elements. It's written very well, his lines and stuff. But when Ives dies, from that moment on, it's serious. Yeah, it's, it's, it. it's really digging. It's, it's McQueen getting out and coming back in to give the information, and then it's the actual escape itself. It's... It takes a real dramatic turn after Ives dies, and yeah. Ives is such a likable character. You know, yes. first time seeing that film, it's it's really upsetting. Yeah. Now uh, you probably don't know this, but in the original script, they 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 have two other prisoners that run over to try to pull Ives down, and they also get shot. So in the original script, I did not know that. In the original wow. script that was written, I think I think it was in April of '63, if I remember, or April of '62. Excuse me. The, the version that I have from April 26th, 62, there, are, there were three prisoners that were shot. And, and that br- brought up a whole other controversy in the film because the, Ramsey then complains about the fact that they you know, shot two prisoners that were trying to help the guards, basically. They were trying to stop someone from trying to escape. And they got shot, and wow. he wanted it, you know, a full report and an investigation. I, and I can understand why they took it out. But but still, it it would have yeah. changed things. You know, this is I, I've I've listened to the commentary that's on the Criterion sure. Collection, but it it's the original commentary from the from the Laserdisc where Sturgis talked about it. Where you know I, I've I've mentioned this before, but the bottom line is is that that the company wanted Sturgis to cut the film. They said it's too long. Yeah, you you yeah. you got to cut something, and so they told him that he should cut. The scene where Griffith is is talking about how they made all the 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 escape costumes, and so he cut that scene out, and then they were showing it for a whole bunch of executives. And then when they finished watching the movie, one of the executives walks over to Sturgis and says, "This was such a great movie, but can you explain to me where did they get all these clothes that they put on when they were when when they escaped?" <laughs> And at that point, that. at that point, Sturgis went back to the to the executive that told him to take it out and said, "It's going back in." Basically, this this is a movie, and I think this is something that Sturgis also mentioned at the time. That I'm not t- trying to take credit for for myself. I just I'm taking credit for remembering it. How's that? Uh, where the the movie is is built up via building blocks, 
And if you take out any of the building blocks along the way, everything's going to fall. Something will not yeah. make sense. So that's why they had so much trouble editing anything out of this film. Steve mentioned last week yeah. there were a few things that they were able to edit out. One of them was when we get a look inside the trunk that Cedric was carrying. That apparently, oh, I never knew that. Apparently that was a scene that was filmed. Probably, I'm assuming it's lost. There, he What's had like, inside the trunk? He had like a pup tent, and uh, I think he had a pillow. You know, he, <laughs> he was going in style. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. And that scene... Going back to the eyes death scene, that you know the the McQueen jump or the McQueen action jump, the way he contorts his body to knock over the one soldier, is so cool. That that's one of that that's one of the scenes that makes his character or makes his his entire performance work. Right. I mean, one of the things. So cool. Yeah, one of the things that I've, I didn't I've, see action scenes like that. No, not at all. I mean, one of the things that I, that I love about the character of Hiltz that that I've, I, I think I've discussed this at some point, but uh, you haven't heard it. And since you're such a big fan of Hiltz, we'll talk a little bit about him since we we don't get him in, any, in this week at all. But one of the things I love about him is is the way that he starts off as a loner. He doesn't. He pretty much cares only about himself from the start. Yes. And throughout the course of the movie, he starts caring about other people, and he gets to the point where he's you know doing. Uh, selfless things for everybody else instead of being selfish. But that, yeah, but that begins with Ives' his death. Yes, correct. No, that begins with his friendship with Ives. His friendship with Ives. Yes, I'm and, sorry. And, yes, but but when Ives dies, at that point, you're correct. He then completely changes and says, "Okay, I'm now going to be doing this for everybody, not just for Ives, or I'm doing it for Ives in the name of Ives yes. for everybody." Yeah. But it, you know, it's the type of idea that 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 sometimes people say that if there's something that you don't want to do, and that that you can't really commit to, so if you do it a little bit here and there, it might grow on you. Yeah. You know, you might you might become more involved in what you're doing if you're doing it if you're doing it bit by bit, and I think that's what happens with with Hiltz throughout the course of the movie. But but his his escape his actual escape on the bike. He's by himself. He's not with anybody else. That's correct. But that, but he's not he's not by himself because he's selfish. He's by himself because no. he knows that he can only trust himself. And he can only and his bike. He's one of the only characters. Uh, obviously, you can say maybe Ashley Pitt at this point also. But he's and and Sedgwick. Uh, very few of the of the characters didn't try and escape in pairs. Of what we get right. to see. You know, you see right. Roger and, and Mac together. Obviously, you see yes. Blythe and Henley together. You see... Um, Willie and Danny. Willie and Danny. You see Haynes and um, and Nimmo are together. Yeah. Which that one, the interesting thing about the two of them is is one of them gets shot and the other one gets sent back. Spoiler yeah. alert to anyone. Yeah. They actually get split up at some point. Cavendish yeah. also goes on his own. But my point yeah. is, is that, that a lot of them... Left in leaving pair. What what's nice is that even though McQueen is on his own, and I think he needs to be on his own because he wanted the motorcycle scene. You know, having someone having <laughs> Cavendish ride ride along in the you know no. in the sidecar, not going to happen. Wouldn't work. Wouldn't now work. he wanted to be on his own, and he wanted his own, he wanted more lot. I went, that's a whole that's a whole other subject about yeah. McQueen in this film, right? And what he demanded and what he got, right? And, maybe and maybe we what, can talk about that later in the week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's a whole story within itself. But uh, yeah, 
Yeah, but David McCallum, I mean, you know, he was an accomplished actor at this point. He, you know, he had he had done a lot of small films. He had met Jill Ireland in the late 50s because he made two movies with her in a row. They got married. They were happily married. And um, he makes Billy Budd in the early 60s and becomes kind of a star. He gets he goes on location with this movie, brings his wife. They're they're very good friends with Charles Bronson. She's pregnant. He has to leave uh, for three days, and he goes to Bronson and says, can you look after my wife? And Bronson says, yes. <laughs> I'll look after her for the next 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing you know, um, you know, a couple years later, um, they they get divorced, and she marries Bronson. He, he, he gets, he, McCallum gets married again in 67 and has a very wonderful, you know, marriage with a woman, and Bronson in Ireland stayed together until they both passed away you know so so you know you got david mccollum who's a little you know short little kind of skinny guy you wouldn't think of him as being a tough guy and then you got bronson who is the act is the opposite you know big brute brutish uh tough guy and it, it's almost like there's there's you don't have a shot david <laughs> well you know you should you should go back and listen to my interview with with uh, McCallum from back in August I will and I will he talks about this because I I asked him before the interview if there are any subjects that he that that he doesn't want me to to go near obviously I was referring to the whole Jill Ireland thing yeah if when you listen to it should I spoil it for you or not no, no, you, okay. you can tell me, but I'm still going to listen to right. it. But no, I obviously, what, what he basically said was is that his divorce from Jill Ireland was his was his own personal great escape. Wow, there and, you go. And then he said that he's been happily married for 52 years or something like that at the, at that yeah. point, at this point, and he 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 said that you know if he wouldn't have gotten divorced from Jill Ireland, he never would have met his current wife. Who, as of recording, the two of them are still together. Yeah. So, yeah. So things work out exactly you know? completely. Yeah. Yeah, All so right. it's a great, great story behind the story, though. Yeah, completely. So wait, where, where do I hear? Where? Just tell me real quick. Where can I hear that interview? Um, you can just go back into the feed, and it, okay. there was a special bonus episode that I put out in August. I think it was. Terrific. You I think it was it. on August twenty eighth, okay, twenty twenty one, between episodes forty and forty one. And right now we're at one hundred forty three. So, one hundred forty two. Right. So go back a hundred episodes, and you'll you'll be able to listen to that bonus episode. Well, this is great. All right, I'm having a I'm having a blast doing this with you. All right, so you want to come back in tomorrow and talk more about this? Sure, definitely. All right, why not? All right, so you want to once again tell people how they can get back in touch with you? You can get in touch with me through my email, Joe at VirgilFilmsENT.com, V-I-R-G-I-L-F-I-L-M-S-E-N-T.com, or just go to VirgilFilms.com, our website, and you can find me there too. All right, excellent, and. Uh... You can go to our website, thegreatescapeminute.com. Our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. And our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. So until tomorrow, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.